0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the Old Testament, from the book of Numbers. We will read number 16, and this will be the preparation for the text, which is number 17. Number 16, here we have the report of an event that took place when the people of Israel were on their way from Egypt to the promised land. Korah, son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, became insolent and rose up against Moses. With them were 250 israelite men well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council they came as a group to oppose moses and aaron and said to them you have gone too far the whole community is holy every one of them and the lord is with them why then do you set yourselves above the lord's assembly when moses heard this he fell face down he Then he said to Korah and all his followers In the morning the Lord will show Who belongs to him and who is holy And he will have that person come near him The man he chooses he will cause to come near him You Korah and all your followers are to do this Take censers and tomorrow put fire and incense in them Before the Lord The man the Lord chooses will be the one who is holy You Levites have gone too far Moses also said to Korah, Now listen, you Levites, isn't it enough for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the Israelite community and brought you near himself to do the work at the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the community and minister to them? He has brought you and all your fellow Levites near himself, and now you're trying to get the priesthood too. It is against the Lord that you and all your followers have banded together. Who is Aaron that you should grumble against him? Then Moses summoned Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. But they said, We will not come. Isn't it enough that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert? And now you also want to lord it over us? Moreover, you haven't brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you gouge out the eyes of these men? No, we will not come. Then Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, Do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them, nor have I wronged any of them. Moses said to Korah, You and all your followers are to appear before the Lord tomorrow, you and they and Aaron. Each man is to take his censer and put incense in it, 250 censers in all, and present it before the Lord. You and Aaron are to present your censers also. So each man took his censer, put fire and incense in it, and stood with Moses and Aaron at the entrance to the tent of meeting. When Korah had gathered all his followers in opposition to them, At the entrance to the tent of meeting, the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Separate yourselves from this assembly, so I can put an end to them at once. But Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out, O God, God of the spirits of all mankind, will you be angry with the entire assembly when only one man sins? Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the assembly, Move away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. He warned the assembly, Move back from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything belonging to them, or you will be swept away because of all their sins. So they moved away from the tents of Korah, Dathan and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram had come out and were standing with their wives, children, and little ones at the entrances to their tents. Then Moses said, This is how you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things and that it was not my idea. If these men die a natural death and experience only what usually happens to men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about something totally new and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them with everything that belongs to them and they go down alive into the grave, then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. As soon as he finished saying all this, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them with their households and all Korah's men and all their possessions. They went down alive into the grave with everything they owned. The earth closed over them, and they perished and were gone from the community. At their cries, all the Israelites around them fled, shouting, The earth is going to swallow us too. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men, who were offering the incense. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, to take the censers out of the smoldering remains and scatter the coals some distance away. For the censers are holy, the censers of the men who sinned at the cost of their lives. Hammer the censers into sheets to overlay the altar, for they were presented before the Lord and have become holy." Let them be a sign to the Israelites. So Eleazar, the priest, collected the bronze censers brought by those who had been burned up, and he had them hammered out to overlay the altar as the Lord directed him through Moses. This was to remind the Israelites that no one except the descendant of Aaron should come to burn incense before the Lord, or he would become like Korah and his followers. The next day, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. You have killed the Lord's people, they said. But when the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned toward the tent of meeting, suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting and the Lord said to Moses, Get away from this assembly, so I can put an end to them at once. And they fell face down. Then Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put incense in it, along with fire from the altar, and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. So Aaron did as Moses said, and ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people. But Aaron offered the incense, and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. But 14,700 people died from the plague, in addition to those who had died because of Korah. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting, for the plague had stopped. The text for this morning is the next chapter in the book of Numbers. Let us read Numbers 17. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and get twelve staffs from them, one from the leader of each of their ancestral tribes. Write the name of each man on his staff. On the staff of Levi, write Aaron's name, for there must be one staff for the head of each ancestral tribe. Place them in the tent of meeting in front of the testimony where I meet with you. The staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout, and I will rid myself of this constant grumbling against you by the Israelites. So Moses spoke to the Israelites, and their leaders gave him twelve staffs, one for the leader of each of their ancestral tribes, and Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. The next day, Moses entered the tent of the testimony and saw that Aaron's staff, which represented the house of Levi, had not only sprouted, but had budded, blossomed, and produced almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from the Lord's presence to all the Israelites. They looked at them, And each man took his own staff. The Lord said to Moses, Put back Aaron's staff in front of the testimony, to be kept as a sign to the rebellious. This will put an end to their grumbling against me, so that they will not die. Moses did just as the Lord commanded him. The Israelites said to Moses, We will die. We are lost. We are all lost. Anyone who even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord will die. Are we all going to die? Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is an impressive story in number 16 and also in number 17. And I guess we have all heard it before. I guess this is one of the favorite stories that is told in the Christian school by the teacher to the children but I don't know how you experienced it as you are reading it is impressive every time when you read it again the Lord had appointed Moses and Aaron as leaders of his people Aaron was the high priest and then there was an uprising 250 leaders well respected men in the community, led by these three other men, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, rose up against Moses and Aaron and said, Who are you to make yourself leaders among us? We are all God's people. Nice argument, by the way. We are all God's people. We all have the gift of the Spirit. Why should there be leaders among God's people? And then we have these dramatic events Korah, Dathan and Abiram being swallowed, swallowed alive by the earth, dying with their families, even the little ones. The 250 community leaders, well-respected men, struck by fire from the Lord. And then the next day, or the next day, when the people grumbled again against Moses and Aaron, you have killed our leaders, almost 15,000 more of God's people died. It is difficult for us to imagine, I guess, the impact that this must have had on the people of Israel. But try, let's try to imagine the people of God, then there is grumbling, there is resistance, there is a problem, and then the Lord punishes His people, and in a matter of a few days, 15,000 people die. One thing was beautiful. Aaron was seen doing atonement for the people. He was praying for them. He was doing intercession for them. And because of the work of Aaron, the Lord stopped the plague. That's the end of chapter 16. And now we wonder, had the Israelites learned their lesson now? Were they now going to respect Moses and Aaron as the appointed leaders, appointed by the Lord? Or would there in the future again be grumbling and resistance and uprising? Had they repented from the inside, or had they just grumblingly accepted the reality? And apparently more needed to be done. And the Lord in His grace did more. And that is the message of Numbers 17. You have the theme and the division in the bulletin. It's about the miracle of Aaron's blossoming staff. And first we are told what the reason was, why it was necessary. And then we are told what the message of the miracle is, and then the response to the miracle. In order to get it all clearly in our minds, let us read again. We are going to read again. First, verse 1 to 5. Number 17, verse 1 to 5. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and get twelve staffs from them, one from the leader of each of their ancestral tribes. Write the name of each man on his staff. On the staff of Levi write Aaron's name, for there must be one staff for the head of each ancestral tribe. Place them in the tent of meeting, in front of the testimony where I meet with you. The staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout, and, and here we have the reason, and I will Rid myself of this constant grumbling against you by the Israelites. So the Lord is going to do something very special. From each of the twelve tribes, a staff must be brought to the tabernacle. A name must be written on the staff, the the name of the owner. By the way, that's interesting as such. This is... Proof that the Israelites knew how to read and write. So the name had to be written on the staff, and those staffs had to be collected and put inside the tent. And the Lord said, One of the staffs, the man I choose, will blossom the next day. And why is this needed? The Lord says, "With By doing this, I want to rid myself of this constant grumbling of the Israelites against you and Aaron. So, we learn that the people of Israel had not really repented. Although they had seen the Lord's punishment, although many people had died because of the uprising, the Lord expected another uprising in the future, another revolt. The Lord decided that something else was needed, something more was needed, so that they would hopefully, finally, learn their lesson and respect the priest that had been appointed by the Lord. So they were still rebellious at heart. The spirit of grumbling was still there. It could still rear its ugly head in the future. And now we could say, that's really bad. Those Israelites, how could they do that? But perhaps it should not surprise us. Because deep down in the human heart, there is an unwillingness to submit to authority. We can see it in the society around us. There is always, so often, even on television, when you listen to the way reports are brought to us, a kind of a disrespect for the government that is put in place, the government of the country. I'm not trying to defend the Prime Minister, I'm just drawing your attention to the fact that in, in in the human heart, there is some, some kind of natural unwillingness to accept and to obey authority that's been placed above us. Or another example, this morning when we went to the conference, the Mission Aid conference, every morning and evening we drove past a wall where somebody was shot by the police. Some of you may have seen that too. And if you just look at what people write on that wall you get a good sense of what is in the human heart. An an inborn unwillingness to respect authority. Well, the same thing can also happen in the church quite easily. It's not just the Old Testament people. Even today in church, a spirit of grumbling can take over. There is not much needed to start a fire among God's people. You just need a few people starting it. Have you heard that things are not going well in our congregation? It seems people are unhappy. And there you go, snowball effect. It's in us, by nature. Now the Lord knew his people, he knew the hearts. And he knew that the rebellion had been crushed for the moment, but that the hearts had not changed. And the Lord, in his grace and mercy, did not want to do this again. He did not want, again, to kill thousands of his own people. That we find later on in the chapter. If you look at verse uh, 10 and 11, no, verse 10. The Lord said to Moses, put back Aaron's staff in front of the testimony to be kept as a sign to the rebellious. This will put an end to their grumbling against me, so that they will not die. So that they will not die. So the Lord anticipated another rebellion, somewhere down the line. It might happen, and it would happen again, unless the Lord did something. And the Lord knew that if it happens again, there will again be punishment. I don't want this. As it says elsewhere in the Bible, in the book of Ezekiel, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord. Therefore, repent and live. Our God is a holy God. He punishes sin, but the Lord is also a loving God, a gracious God. He does never desire the death of the sinner. And here we see how the Lord makes provision for this. He gives another sign that hopefully will be so powerful to the Israelites that they will indeed repent from the inside, that they will not submit grumblingly, but that they will repent, and from their hearts, will respect the appointment of Aaron as the high priest so in summary why was the miracle necessary in the first place it was needed because of the stubbornness of God's people but we should also say it was given because of the of the Lord's mercy he did not want his people to die and here we have a first application that we should appreciate the ongoing work in our lives by which He prevents us from falling into sin or falling more often into sin. Just imagine, the Lord is always busy working in our lives, preaching on a Sunday, reading the Word, the supper table, teaching, catechism, pastoral care, perhaps even words that are shared among Christian friends, something your elder has, has told you? Have you ever thought of the kind of life you would be living if the Lord was not constantly working in your life through all these means? Have you ever thought of the terrible sins which you might have committed if the Lord had not prevented you from doing so? By... Some word that was spoken at the right time. Some sermon that was preached with the right message at the right time. Or just simply something somebody said to you when you needed to hear that. Or it could be even a book that you read and there was something that spoke to you. And in these things we should acknowledge the love and the care of our Heavenly Father who desires our life, our eternal life. Who does not desire anyone's death. The Lord does not desire the death of anyone also in this audience this morning. The Lord desires that we would all live internally in His presence. And that is why He is at work in our lives. Now, let us go back to the people of Israel and read verse 6 to 9. So Moses spoke to the Israelites. And their leaders gave him twelve staffs, one for the leader of each of their ancestral tribes, and Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of testimony. The next day, Moses entered the tent of testimony and saw that Aaron's staff, which represented the house of Levi, had not only sprouted, but had budded, blossomed, and produced almonds." Then Moses brought out all the staffs from the Lord's presence to all the Israelites. They looked at them, and each man took his own staff. So, let's try to imagine this again. What would have happened? You have the people of Israel there, somewhere in the the desert. You have the tent of meeting. All these terrible things have happened recently. And now there is a new commandment from the Lord. Moses asks... Commanded by the Lord that every tribe should bring the tribal staff. Now think of a staff this big, six foot, six feet. It was a sign of uh, leadership in the ancient East. Every royal a king or whatever always would have a staff. It was, it came from the shepherd, uh, life. Like a shepherd, Shepherding his sheep, so a king is guiding his people. So you have a staff that symbolizes that. Apparently, among the people of Israel, there was a tribal staff, so to speak, for every tribe. And the Lord wanted those staffs to be brought into the temple. Write the name of each tribe on the staff. Staff of Levi, Aaron. And then these staffs, Moses collected them, brought them inside the tent... Place them before the face of the Lord, before the ark. And then Moses said, The Lord has said that the staff of the man he has chosen will blossom. So, go back, all of you, go back to your tents, and come back tomorrow morning. So you can imagine, people go home, wandering, What is this all about? Tomorrow, one of the staffs will blossom? Well, a staff is a piece of dead wood. It has been dead for years. How could one of them blossom? But this clearly would be interesting. So you can imagine the people discussing this, and then go to bed. And the next morning, all the people of Israel came back to see what had happened. And you can imagine Moses and Aaron and the leaders being there, and opening the tent, Moses going inside, and you can just imagine how amazed Moses must have been when he saw this. Twelve staffs, eleven staffs were still the way they were yesterday, but one staff had changed. It had budded, it had blossomed, it had produced fruit in the form of almonds. So Moses took these staffs, brought them outside. And all the people, I imagine that everybody wanted to see this, especially the the children among God's people. Wow. One of the twelve staffs, during the night, the Lord has done something wonderful inside the tent of meeting. One of the staffs, it has leaves, it has blossom, it has already produced fruit, almonds. Now, we all know, especially if you're a little bit into gardening, it can happen that you pick a branch from a tree and you perhaps just put it in the soil somewhere. And if the conditions are right, if there is water and sunshine and everything, it might happen that that twig gets roots. And over time, it might even become a tree and produce fruits. But it would take years. And here we have this wonderful miracle that the Lord quietly and gently, the Lord who created everything, has decided to put the laws of nature aside that he had created. And what he usually does in the matter of seasons or years, he said, I'm going to do this just in the matter of one night. A dead piece of wood brought to life produces leaves, buds, blossoms, and fruits. What is the message of this? Well, obviously, for the people that were there, it was clear. Let's look. Whose name is on this staff? Aaron. Aaron has been appointed by the Lord to be our high priest and nobody else. So the Lord, with this miracle, had clearly pointed again to Aaron the leader of the Levite tribe, as the appointed high priest, he is authorized to go into the tent of meeting and minister before the Lord for God's people. The people of Israel were called to respect this decision of the Lord. And for us today, it means just as much that we are called to respect it when the Lord says, I have appointed a high priest for you, his name is Jesus Christ. He is the only high priest. He is the only one. He is completely the one who can represent you before the face of God so that you will receive salvation. But there is more to this stuff. This is not just a, a confirmation of an appointment. There is also something to, to this whole idea of, of the blossoming and the fruition And that's the character of the event. Remember again, the Lord had punished His people recently. Thousands had died. And now He comes to His people with this beautiful miracle that showed to them that He had good intentions with them. The Lord is not bent on punishing and punishing and punishing. The Lord is bent. The Lord desires to bless His people. His intentions are to do good and to bless To give growth and to give fruit. And for his people to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Now, if they just looked at this staff and what the Lord had done, they saw a symbol of what the Lord wanted to give to his people through the ministry of the high priest. Through the ministry of Aaron and his descendants, the Lord wanted to bless his people. He wanted to give them abundance of life, and he wanted to give it quickly. That's also part of the symbolism, because it's not there is a reason why the Lord had chosen almonds. Uh, as you may know, the almond tree is more often used in the Bible as a symbol of how quickly the Lord wants to bless. And why is that? Well, the almond tree apparently is one of the first trees to blossom in the spring after winter, when all the other trees are still. Those take a few weeks to 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 bud and to to blossom, the almond tree is already producing blossoms. So when the Lord uses this again, this almond tree, it is a sign that he wants to give fruit, that he wants to give blessing, and that he can't wait to give it. The Lord wants to bless his people richly and quickly through the ministry of the appointed high priest. Now, what should we do with this today? Because that piece of wood, or that stick of Aaron is gone. Nobody knows where it is, or where it went. Probably it was uh, taken away with the destruction of Jerusalem. We don't know. Uh, Although there are theories, many theories, if you just Google online uh, staff of Aaron, you will find many theories as to where that staff might have gone. But that's all legend. The staff is gone. What's the message for us today? Well, our thoughts are drawn to our high priest, our mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the people of the old covenant were taught that they needed to look at Aaron and no one else to intercede for them with the Lord, so we need the Lord Jesus Christ to intercede for us with the Lord. There is no one else that can take his place. The Pope cannot do it. The Virgin Mary cannot do it, your minister cannot do it, and you cannot do it yourself. We need a mediator, and we have a mediator appointed by the Lord. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you reflect on his ministry, we see that the picture of the blossoming staff of the priest, the high priest, points to the wonderful gifts that we receive through the ministry of Jesus Christ our Lord. He makes us share in all the blessings of God. The flowers and the almond tree, the fruit, send out this message clearly. Deadwood comes to life. Where there was death, the Lord creates regeneration, new life and abundance of life as well. As well. The Lord Jesus makes us share in all the blessings which He has earned for us. In order to Reflect on this a bit more. Um, May I ask you to turn with me to Article 26 of the Belgian Confession. There's a beautiful summary there of the work that the Lord Jesus does as our High Priest. We are not going to read the whole thing, just the first paragraph. If uh, In the Book of Praise, it is page 460, 460. Article 26, Christ's Intercession. We believe that we have no access to God except through the only mediator and advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. For this purpose he became man, uniting together the divine and human nature that we men might not be barred from, but have access to the divine majesty. This mediator, however, whom the Father has ordained between himself and us, should not frighten us by his greatness, so that we look for another according to our fancy. There is no creature in heaven or on earth who loves us more than Jesus Christ. Though he was in the form of God, he emptied himself, taking the form of man and of a servant for us, and was made like his brethren in every respect. If therefore we had to look for another intercessor, could we find one who loves us more than he who laid down his life for us, even while we were his enemies? If we had to look for one who has authority and power, who has more than he who is seated at the right hand of the Father, and who has all authority in heaven and on earth, moreover, who will be heard more readily than God's own well-beloved Son. Isn't that beautiful? The way Guido de Bré formulated that, and the way our fathers accepted this. First of all, you see the difference between Aaron and the Lord Jesus. Aaron and Moses, there was a point that they said, please Lord, kill us instead of the nation. The Lord said, no. But here, God's own Son, God accepted His sacrifice. And that is why it is also said that nobody loves us more than the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the one that died for us. And I'd like you to remember that too. Love is important. Husbands and wives love each other. Parents love children. Children love parents. But here we say as Christians, there is no creature in heaven or on earth, who loves us more than Jesus Christ. That is what we confess. Nobody loves me more, nobody loves you more than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And He has been appointed as our mediator. Because He is God's Son, God will always listen to Him. So, our text speaks about a piece of, of dead wood, a stick that came to life and produced almonds, and it pointed to Aaron. He's the one. He will pray for you inside the tent. And what should we take home? Think of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has entered God's presence. He is right there seated at God's right hand. There is nobody who loves you more than He. He has given His life for us, and He, he desires to bless us with all the blessings that he has um, gained for us. That's the message. Now, what should the response be? Let's go back to number 17. The Lord said to Moses, that's verse 10. Numbers 17, verse 10. The Lord said to Moses, Put back Aaron's staff in front of the testimony to be kept as a sign to the rebellious, This will put an end to their grumbling against me, so that they will not die. Moses did just as the Lord commanded him. The Israelites said to Moses, We will die. We are lost. We are all lost. Anyone who even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord will die. Are we all going to die? Well, I think the word die is mentioned four or five times here. It's remarkable. The Lord first says, I give this and I I want you to put this symbol in the tent so that nobody will die. And then they respond by saying, we are all going to die, we are going to die, we are going to die, we are going to die. What should we think of this response? Is it a good response? I wonder what you would think about this. Is this response good? Is it understandable given the circumstances? Or should we say this is unbelief? What do you think? Well, I would say, given the positive sign that the Lord had given to them, after all, he had not killed anyone this morning. He had given them this beautiful, uh, blossoming staff of Aaron with a very positive message that the Lord wanted to bless. Given that positive sign, it's not a very good response. The Lord had just shown them a miracle that showed them how much he desired to bless them. The message of the almond fruits was very encouraging. How could they then react in this way? We are going to die. The Lord had just shown them that he wanted to give new life. Uh, perhaps we should not judge the Israelites too harshly. Remember that 15,000 people had died a few days before. And perhaps that reality was only sinking in by now. So the reality of God's judgment was still fresh on their minds, and many of them had lost loved ones. They knew that the Lord had punished them because of their sinful rebelliousness, and perhaps now that the Lord did another miracle, even if it was an encouraging one, their hearts were not ready to accept the message of grace and the promise of blessing. It was a response, however, that shows that their faith was still weak and immature, it is similar to the response that we sometimes have. Uh, maybe you've had it too, that you think, yeah, I know that the Lord wants to forgive, but I think I'm, I'm too sinful. I don't think the Lord really wants me to belong to Him. I'm not sure that the Lord will renew my life. I'm too stubborn, or whatever you think. And then we need to learn, we need to grow in faith, that we can say, yes, it is good to learn to recognize your own sinfulness, But it is not good to question the promise of the Lord when he says, I will forgive you and I will renew your life. Just as he brought new life to the staff of Aaron. So what should we then learn? What should our response be? Two things. First, can you tremble before the holiness of God if you realize that you are sinful? We lack many things in our faith life. We do not serve the Lord with the dedication that he might expect from us. Our thoughts and desires often go to wrong directions. We are often self-centered. And as a consequence, our commitment to the Lord is not how it should be. It is weak, stained with sin. We should recognize that and feel ashamed about it. In the second place, however, even so, the Lord encourages His people with the promise of rich blessing through the ministry of the appointed high priest. You know, whenever you hear the gospel, and if the gospel is preached well, you should be leaving the church with two feelings that are almost in contrast. On the one hand, you should feel ashamed and even more ashamed because of your sinfulness. And on the other hand, you should feel relieved and and joyful because of the promise of salvation, the joy of salvation. So may God give us again this morning and every time when we meet that we may leave this church building more ashamed and more comforted because that is who we are before God and that is what God wants to give to us. So, on the one hand, yes... Feelings of shame because of our sinfulness. Knowing that we are before the face of a holy God. On the other hand, trusting His promise when He shows you the symbol. I want to give you renewal of life. Yes, you are dead. You are dead like a stick. But I want to renew you, bring you to life. So, what did the staff of Aaron point to? Pointed to the appointed high priest. So the question is, this morning... Brother and sister, do you seek your life outside of yourself in our great high priest, Jesus Christ? Do you desire to experience this wonderful union with the Lord Jesus Christ, to be found in him, to experience knowing that your sins have been forgiven, and to to experience also the miracle that what was dead can come to life, even you even I, as dead as we may be in ourselves, being brought to life, and even producing fruit. So, that's it. Remember how the Lord quietly and gently created new life in this stick, this dead piece of wood, and how in one night the Lord made it produce blossoms and fruit. The Lord can do that in your life as well. If you desire to share in those blessings, just go to the appointed high priest, Jesus Christ. He is there at the right hand of God the Father, and He can give you the Holy Spirit if you ask for it. And then He will make us share in all His blessings. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web